Ladies and gentlemen of the Sporting Podcast world, welcome back. Maybe welcome for your first time. Nonetheless, welcome to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast experience. I am your host, Daniel Finton, otherwise known on YouTube as Dan Nizzle, because I cannot change my YouTube name, because apparently I've changed it in the last 90 days. I find that very hard to believe. So, you know what? I'm just going to go along with YouTube's idiotic shenanigans, and I'm just going to keep it, because honestly, I gave up on caring. Otherwise known as at Daniel underscore Finton on Twitter. Be sure to check me out on there. Um, otherwise known as Daniel Finton on PainInTheArsenal.com. Actually, just got two articles published today. Be sure to check those out. Um, I'm actually really proud of both of them. So be sure to check those out if you are into that kind of stuff like that. But nonetheless, I'm going to stop plugging myself because that is not why you're here at all. You are here because you are bored out of your mind on this international break like all of us are. And frankly, you're just looking for something to do. Right now, you're probably just sitting in your bed, sitting on your couch, possibly sitting at work in your boring cubicle, fantasizing about the arsenal coming back. And they don't come back until October 22nd on a Monday of all days. So, I'm sorry guys, you are going to have to put up with the pain for just a little bit longer, but we all have to as well, so just get through it. And 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 I, <laughs> trust me man, I know it is unbearable. And I just, the the beginning stages of the season are always so painful because there's just it seems like there's literally an international break every 3 or 4 games. So you the team can't get into any kind of rhythm as a fan, you can't get into any kind of rhythm. You can't take you can't be like, "Okay, well Sunday, you know, I take that time out of my day to watch a game or Saturday whatever." You don't have time to get into a rhythm. They don't have time to get into a rhythm either. And then these horrendously boring international games come on that uh, that apparently have some sort of meaning now because it's called the UEFA Cup or some something like that. And and it's it's just difficult for all of us all of us football fans. So keep your head up, mate. And I, I assure you, we will pull through. We pull through all of these treacherous, boring, painful moments. I mean, I'm I'm telling you, we always pull through it. And I just I genuinely hope that we can pull through it this time again. Uh, before I get into the show a little bit, I do just want to talk about one little thing. Seeing as October is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, I, I think I think mental health is something that has affected us all, whether it be as as it affecting ourselves or it affecting somebody that we love. You know, whether it be a family member, whether it be a girlfriend, a boyfriend, you know, who, whoever it may be, I'm sure we all know somebody that at least shows signs of mental health. Of, of being mentally unhealthy, I guess you can call it. So, you know, things like depression, things like anxiety, and, and, abundant, and an abundance of those other, you know, crippling diseases, crippling mental diseases, I guess you can call them almost. If, if you do know somebody with those, with those issues in their life right now, give them a call. I mean, give them a call, give them a message, let them know that you are thinking about them and you do genuinely care about their well-being because I'm telling you, that is genuinely one of the best things that they can hear from someone. And if you're listening to this podcast and you suffer from mental health issues yourself, you can, you can do a lot of things in order to try to, to, to try to mitigate the pain in which it causes you. I mean, seeing a therapist, for example, I know that it could be an expensive, it's, it's not cheap. Right, and and that's why a lot of people that that have mental health issues don't go and see a therapist because it is it is expensive, and that's because therapists are paid well. Because on most occasions, they're they're not probably going to fix your depression or fix your anxiety by any stretch of the imagination. But at the end of the day, they are going to help you, and you are going to have somebody to talk to. And sometimes, just having somebody to talk to can help help the pain that you're feeling exponentially. So go talk to someone. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be a therapist or anything like that, or even someone that's, that specializes in, in that field. You know, it could just be somebody that, you know, that you feel really comfortable with, that you feel really close to, that you tell everything to, like maybe a best friend or, or your mother or your father or whoever it may be. You know, talk to someone because I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter who you are. There is somebody on this planet that cares about you. And if you are feeling sad, and if you're feeling more than sad, if you're feeling depressed, and you have crippling anxiety, trust me, 
I know people that are going through that same thing, and it it is it's painful for for the outsider. Not not nearly as much as the person coping with the pain, but it's painful for the outsider to watch because a lot of times the outsider's saying, "What can I do to help? Is there anything I can do to help?" Let let those people help you because they do want to help you. So and and honestly, if 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 you're listening to this podcast and you have me on Twitter, you know, follow me. I always follow back and feel free to shoot me a DM if you ever want to talk about anything. I mean, I am, I'm, I'm a journalist major. I'm an education major and I'm also a sociological major. So I, I would really be interested in, in talking to, talking to people about that. I mean, honestly, so if you do have, if, and it doesn't have to be me though, but if you do want anyone to talk to, feel free to talk to someone because someone is always willing to be there for you. I can assure you. But let's get back to the arsenal, right? But but seriously, just put 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 that to a close. It is Mental Health Awareness Month, and if you if you know someone that you think needs to talk, be talked to, talk to them because they would really appreciate it. But anyway, at any rate, let's talk about Arsenal. Um, international break, like I said, doesn't end till October twenty second when Arsenal come back to face Leicester. It's going to be at the Emirates, and it's going to be on a Monday. Woo! Can't wait for that. I can't wait to have to go through that entire first weekend that the international break is back and watch literally every single team play besides mine. It is going to be so, so, so fun. I'm not going to get into any in-depth analysis of any of these games, but I am just going to tell you kind of our schedule um, moving forward, basically, when we first come back from the international break. The Thursday after that Monday... October 25th, we will be going away to Sporting in Portugal for the Europa League fixture. That's going to be a difficult game. You know, Sporting's a good team, and and it's it's you know all the way all the way in Portugal. But Unai Emery looks as though he's been improving us a bit away from home. So you know, hopefully, we can continue our away form. And that is a game that is winnable. And and honestly, even if we get a draw in that game, it has to be said that is undoubtedly going to be the most difficult game in the group. So I think maybe even if we nick the draw out of that game, it would be it would be probably a good result. And as for the Leicester City game, we are at home for that game. Um, I didn't really give any analysis to that one at all. I think we should try to win that one. Um, October 28th, though, just three days after the away game to Sporting, we're going to be going away from home to Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. I think every Premier League fans know, every Premier League fan knows. Excuse me, that is a relatively difficult place to go to. So we're gonna have to have our, we're gonna have to be ready essentially, you know. And I know a big game is coming up, and I know you you are all well aware of what game I'm talking about. But at this moment in time, we have to take things one game at a time. And you know, I, I mean, let's let's be honest with you. I mean, I'll be honest with you. These first three games that I've mentioned out of the out of the five that I'm going to, Leicester at our place, that could go that could go tits up. That could easily they could easily nick a result against us. Sporting away from home, same thing. And then Crystal Palace away from home. Do you remember a couple years ago when they smashed us 3-0 in their place? I don't think that's going to happen by by any means. But at the end of the day, we do see that it is a possibility. And we're going to have to be on our A game for all three of those games mentioned in order for us to keep our winning run going. In the Carabao Cup round of 16 at the Emirates, once again, we will be facing Blackpool. That is really a game that Arsenal should expect to win. And I think considering the congestion of games that we are having after the international break ends, that is probably a game that we're going to see an abundance of the youth players in. And I, at least I hope so. I, I don't really want to see, I, I don't really want to see like a Mesut Ozil in that game. Maybe on the bench, I'd like to see like a Lacazette and Mesut Ozil on the bench. So if, if we can't break through them, you could, you could take them off and you have some firepower there. But honestly, I don't really want to see them starting. Because the Carabao Cup, as opposed to the top four of the Premier League and winning the Europa League, really is not exactly a big priority. However, with that being said, it is a relatively big priority because we do want to win silverware, and that is probably our best chance of winning it this season. Now, the game that everybody was ready for me to talk about was away from home to Liverpool. That's going to be on November 3rd, just four days after the round of 16 tie in the Carabao Cup. Um, away from home to Liverpool, I'll be honest with you, we are not usually very convincing. Liverpool have been fantastic this season. Uh, just drawing to joint top league leaders, Manchester City, nil-nil. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I was 
I, I am still a bit nervous for this game, but I am not nearly as nervous as I was before we came onto this fantastic run. But, I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm not that intimidated, to be honest with you. And I think we are fully capable of going to Liverpool and maybe snatching a few points away from them. I'm not saying that we have a really good chance of getting three points there, but I think if we were to go to Anfield, I think at a draw, for example, that would be a fantastic result. It would help better accentuate even more our confidence that we already have. But yeah, those are our first one, two, three, four games coming back, or five games, excuse me, coming back um, after the international break, that's going to be five games in 13 days. That is absolutely insane. The Premier League and, and all of our other competitions are certainly well underway. And honestly, if we, I, I think we should definitely expect to get three, six, nine. Well, that one doesn't give three points. We should honestly expect to have no more than no less than four wins from that game. From those five games. Liverpool, if we lose to Liverpool, it's not going to be the end of the world. They are a fantastic team. And I think they are further along in their, um, I guess you could say their their uh, progression and their transformation than we are. Because, I mean, let's, let's, let's have it right. We are going through a transition period. We are going through a transition period. Excuse me. We had the same manager for 22 years. And now we have a completely different face in the club. And it's going to take us a little bit to adapt to his ideologies. Whereas Jurgen Klopp came into Liverpool, I think it was four years ago actually now. So Liverpool have had plenty of time now to adapt to his high-pressing needs and, and all the things like that. So honestly, we get four wins out of five there. And even if we lose to Liverpool, I feel like that would be a, a, a great bit of... A great bit of uh, a great bit of results for Arsenal, to be honest with you. But if we were able to get four wins and then maybe a draw at Anfield, that would just be utterly fantastic. But now let's let's get off the topics of the upcoming games and let's talk about some news going on within the club. Um, this first thing I'm going to talk about is actually going to be a little bit of a rant towards the French national coach. Um, not... I, I guess it is kind of a good thing for Arsenal, but at the end of the day, it is still pretty frustrating to see a player of his quality just being snubbed completely from the national team. And I, I, I think most of you have drawn the conclusion as to who I'm talking about, and that's Alexandre Lacazette, who missed out on the French team once again. I mean, you look at some of the firepower that France have with the likes of Antoine Griezmann, Kylian Mbappe. They've got Olivier Giroud in there, simply down to the fact that He's a bigger guy, and pretty much everyone on France is kind of like the little, a little speedster. But honestly, Lacazette, I just feel like, is probably one of the best goal scorers, probably one of the best French goal scorers in the world. And he should undoubtedly be in that, in that, uh, in that team for me. I, I don't understand Didier Deschamps' um, reasoning for it. I, you know, he says he wants Giroud in there because Giroud fits the system better. But at the end of the day, you look at the season that Giroud's really been having for Chelsea. He's not been bad by any stretch of the imagination, but Lacazette has been fantastic. You know, he just won uh, he just won the, the Arsenal Player of the Month for September. You know, he just won the Arsenal Goal of the Month for September as well. So, I'm and, and you know, he's scoring, he's scoring a boatload of goals. So, I don't really understand it at all. I, I feel as though that the... The French national team manager may have a bit of an agenda against certain players, and I don't think that's you know to be fair. To be fair, that is most national team managers and most national team, or most managers uh, in general. To be honest with you, but at the end of the day, uh, I do think that Lacazette should be playing in that team because he's a world-class striker. He's a fantastic finisher, and if France had a player like him starting, oh my gosh. You know, and, and obviously I can't really ridicule Deschamps too much because he did just win the World Cup relatively comfortably at that. But honestly, I just I I don't see if I if I was a manager, I would find a way to squeeze Lacazette into that team because it just seems man, it just seems criminal to not have a player that that is of his talents in the team. But I guess it is kind of I I, I can't really comprehend it as like an American guy. Because our national team, for example, if any player shows the slightest bit of potential and slightest bit of, of techers and like uh, and, and, and talent and things like that, they will immediately be in the national team. But due to the fact that France is so well-rounded and has such insane depth, that's why he can't get into the team. 
But I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not a manager, and Deschamps obviously probably knows significantly more about football than I do. But if I was him, I would find a way to squeeze Lacazette into there. Um, good news, though, about the international break. Bern Leno has been recalled to Germany over uh, Kevin Trapp. And, oh my gosh, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea how Kevin Trapp even made it to the national team over Bern Leno. I don't know if anybody here, and obviously he's not, in, he's not at Paris anymore. He just went on. I'm not sure if it was a loan or a permanent transfer due to the fact that Gianluigi Buffon came in there. And Alphonse Areola was, is really probably the best goalkeeper at, at Paris right now. But nonetheless, I don't know if anyone watches Ligue 1. But if you would have watched it last season and a couple seasons ago, whenever Kevin Trapp is in the goal, PSG just look terrible. He's not great at playing the ball out of the back. He's not that great at saving. You know, Burton Leno is head and shoulders a better goalkeeper than him. Because when I, when, and, and when I looked at the World Cup goalkeepers going for Germany, it was Manuel Neuer which I didn't necessarily agree with due to the fact that, you know, he was out injured the whole season, but I, I, well, I'm not going to get into that. Um, uh, Andre, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, which I do completely agree with, and honestly, I do believe is probably one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And in my opinion, it may be an unpopular opinion, but I do think he is the best German goalkeeper at this moment in time. And then it was Kevin Trapp. Bernd Leno was completely snubbed despite Kevin Trapp really not even playing a role for PSG that season because Alphonse Areola just completely stole the spot from him. So I, I, I didn't understand that at all, but Kevin Trapp has, I guess, pulled out of the German national team and Bern Leno has come in for him instead. And I think that's a good thing because, you know, Bern Leno training with the likes of Ter Stegen, who, if, if anyone watches Barcelona listening to this podcast, you know exactly what Ter Stegen is all about. Probably the best goalkeeper at playing the ball out from the back I have ever seen, and he's just, you know he's just so good with his feet. And not only that, he's a fan, he's fantastic at making saves. So Bern Leno being around a goalkeeper like that, and then a goalkeeper like Petr Cech that has an abundance of Premier League experience, and then a player like Manuel Neuer, also in the German national team, who has a boatload of Bundesliga experience, is going to help him exponentially in becoming the best goalkeeper that he possibly can be. Because let's keep in mind, Bern Leno was 26 years old. And for a goalkeeper, that is super, super young. I mean, the guy probably has at least at least 10 years left. And, and honestly, most goalkeepers do not end by 36. Most goalkeepers probably call it a day by 38 to 40. So we have, if, if he decides to stay loyal to us and, and doesn't attract any um, of the big boys like your, you know, your Bayern Munichs, your Real Madrids and... Barcelona's and clubs like that. If he doesn't attract any of them, well, then we have a we have a German goalkeeper on our hand, a fantastic German goalkeeper, a really young German goalkeeper that's going to be in our books for the foreseeable future. Um, in other news, let's get into kind of the money side of the game a little bit here. Arsenal have officially confirmed the deal with Adidas or Adidas, whatever you want to call it, depending on where you're from in the world. I am super excited for that, to be frank. I know a lot of people don't really care that much, but I myself, as you probably have seen, either on my you know Twitter profile pictures or possibly my YouTube videos, am a bit of a kit nerd, and I do absolutely love to buy the jerseys. I, I only buy one every season because I am not rich, um, and I always like to buy the most abstract off-the-wall one. So... This season, I, I'll be honest with you, this season I absolutely hated the home one. I hate the V-neck thing. It looks, I just think it looks stupid. I know a lot of people hate the collars. I don't really hate the collars, to be honest with you. I think I would rather have the collar than the little V-neck that, you know, shows your nipples, to be honest with you. So I, I really like the... I really like the third kit it was this season. That's the little mint one. But I also am kind of a bright color fanatic at the same time. I know a lot of people did not like that jersey at all. And I didn't, I, to be honest with you, I'm not really that big of a fan of the away one either because I just think it lacks personality. And if we were to have, I, I, I am a firm believer. I don't really like traditional thinking, but I am a firm believer in the fact that if Arsenal, Arsenal's away kit should be yellow, Arsenal's home kit should be red, and then Arsenal's third kit, well, the company, whether it be Puma, Nike, Adidas, who, who now are taking charge, they should be entitled to 
do whatever they want with the third kit. Like last season, for example, I thought the third kit was fantastic. I have it. And honestly, I think if any other company would have made that aside from Puma, it probably would have looked even better because I dried the thing like once. Which you're, and, and by the way, if you don't have jerseys, as you if, if you do have jerseys, rather, you know that you're not really supposed to dry them. You kind of just are supposed to let them air dry because the dryer can like rip off the letters and the badges and things like that. And the letters on the Fly Emirates part of my jersey were pink and now they're completely gray because it just ripped off all of the, the pink lettering. And it's, just, it's such a horribly made jersey. So, um, but, it, but it, nonetheless, it is beautiful. But I am super excited for Adidas to be taking over. There's been a lot of awesome concept kit, kits that I've been seeing all over Twitter and things like that. There was this really good one. I, sorry I can't give him a shout up. I, I think his name was like, he's, he's pretty famous anyway, but his name is like FXX or something like that and he just makes concept kits for every team and he made one for Arsenal that was like kind of like a spin off of the bruised banana kit and it was like it was like black I like black kits personally because I'm kind of a thick boy so me wearing black I look better because it slims me down a little bit but it was basically a black kit with like yellow lettering you know your typical Arsenal badge and then on the sleeve it had the sleeves not just one sleeve on the sleeves it had the bruised banana pattern and oh my goodness gracious if adidas because if adidas made the bruised banana themselves you know some designer made it i don't really know who made it but if you know if they were to come back out with that oh my lord you would have to pre-order that thing because it would just fly off the shelves and I, i i do genuinely hope that that is the that is the um that is it could be either the away kit or the third kit as far as i'm concerned i just like when the away kit has some sort of yellow on it. And then I saw this other really sick concept kit as well that I think would be a really cool third kit. And it was this little, uh, a lot of people hated it, but it was this little uh, dark green kit, kind of like a spinoff of one of the ones from the 80s. And oh my God, it just looks so beautiful. If we had just a, you know, a standard red kit, because I think we all know what they're going to do with the red kit. You know, it's going to be like typical red, white sleeves, probably some red stripes on the shoulders. You know, it's going to look cool. You know, because we know Adidas is a reliable kit maker and that, you know, they know that sometimes you got to play it simple. And I think with a home kit, you have to play it simple. So the home kit's going to be nice, but I'm really more so excited for the away kit and the third kit. And I, I do genuinely hope that they do a significantly better job than Puma because Puma were just terrible. I mean, the, I, I have, because I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm a jersey collector. Probably the worst one that I have, I got it on sale. During the season that it was the kit because it was so atrocious and they just could not sell them. It was the one with the plastic badge on it. And jeez Louise. First of all, it is so uncomfortable. And then the like the neckline around it like essentially is like a, a boa constrictor and is just squeezing your neck at all times. And, and it just looks super dorky because the shirt is like a good size on me. But the neck hole is so tiny and just like chokes me to death. And I'm not really a guy with like a big neck or anything like that. I don't have an overly skinny neck, but I would say I have an average neck and it still like suffocated me. And then like you look at the blue kit last year. Oh my God, that thing was awful. That thing was disgusting. I don't understand why anybody would give Arsenal a blue kit. That just makes no sense. That's almost like giving Tottenham a red kit. Like, no, that, that, no, 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 no. I don't want a blue kit. And if it's going to be blue, well, damn, it better be dark blue because at least we could get away with it, you know, but I just didn't understand the light blue kit at all. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm sorry, I could talk about jerseys all day, but I am super excited for Adidas to take over. Uh, like I said, it's a $60 million a season deal. That's a lot of money. And I think we're, yeah, we're tied for third um, for the most expensive kit deals in the Premier League, um, or what was it tied for second? I can't remember, but we're tied with Chelsea, basically. And, and Manchester United, obviously, do have that biggest one. But, I mean, whew, I, I am, that's a lot of money, nonetheless. And hopefully it, um, it goes into kind of like our transfer dealing. Because I don't, know if you, I don't know if anyone listening to this remembers, but when we first got Puma as our sponsors... We were, because remember, we were in dire need of a striker. Back then, we didn't have the likes of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Alexandre Lacazette. You know, we had like 
Giroux, and that's pretty much it. So, at Yaya Sonogo. So, we were looking for a striker, and then Puma came out and said, oh, you know, we could get a deal done for, for Mario Balotelli. And I remember at the time, it was like, oh my God, we're going to get Balotelli. Holy cow. And it was going to be cheap, too. But Arsene Wenger didn't want him because, let's be honest, Balotelli is just the anti-Arsene Wenger player. But, you know, now that Adidas has become our sponsor, maybe we can, you know, bring in a, an Adidas player. I Probably like a Messi, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, but but honestly, I am I am really excited for Adidas going into the future, and I think that I don't I do not think we will be disappointed with them. Uh, moving off of the Adidas, because like I said, I could go on a tangent about that all day. Let's go into another money side of the game. Um, if there's any MLS fans listening to this, I'm sure you could second me on this. Um, we have been linked with a fantastic talent. In the MLS, he's a Paraguayan. His name is Miguel Amiron, and oh my God, what a player he is! I know he's just in the MLS, so he just pretty much tears things apart. So, because essentially, if you need any perspective, I live in Florida, so our MLS team for Florida is Orlando City, and essentially, Miguel Amiron plays for Orlando City's direct rivals, Atlanta United. So, trust me, I see plenty of Mister Miggy, as they call him. And wow, he is a great player. But but at the end of the day, you know, he, he's not a player that if we do sign him, he's going to walk right into the starting lineup. Because just to give you a bit of perspective, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has scored 20 goals in the MLS this season. And he is 37 years old. So it's not exactly the greatest league, but it is the league of my country. And in case you wanted to know why there are so many American Arsenal fans, Go watch the MLS for a couple games, and I'm sure you will be completely understanding as to why most Americans support a team outside of the country. But nonetheless, let's get into some details about the Paraguayan International. Um, I there's a. I will be honest with you. Th- this this kind of came from a pretty reliable source over here in the states, Fox Sports, and they don't generally really lie about things like that, and they do have a really really strong connection with the MLS. So if somebody did hear that it's possible that it's going to happen, it would be them because they do cover the MLS more so than any other channel here in the States. But essentially the um, fee associated with the Paraguayan International is 15 million pounds. Now, if you're a Premier League fan, you know that that is not a lot of money really at all for a, because he's an attacking player. For an attacking player, that is nothing. So my, my real hypothesis on this is that Miguel Amiron is going to come into the club basically to replace Aaron Ramsey. <coughs> Excuse me. He's going to replace Aaron Ramsey because he is kind of a similar player to him. He's, he's um, because I know, I know most people listening to this probably haven't seen him play. And you don't, it's not worth your time to, to watch the MLS, to be honest with you. So. He, he kind of reminds me of like a Thomas Rosicki, I guess you could say. I'm going to strike any common misconception. He is not a winger at all. He's an attacking midfielder, and that is basically it. He's an attacking midfielder that has a good eye for a pass and an even better eye for goal. Basically just sounds exactly like an Aaron Ramsey replacement to me. Um, and then with that, I think there's going to be probably a big signing coming in. Probably in the summer. I don't think we'll see a big signing coming in in January. But to be honest with you, if the Aaron Ramsey contract situation remains the same as it has been for some time now, I think Aaron Ramsey will most likely move away from Arsenal. And then Miguel Ameron will probably be brought in for only the £15 million. Um, And then in the summer, we'll probably bring in a big winger. As for wingers that I would be interested in us bringing in, and, and and as other people would like to probably see in the club as well, I know people have been talking about Wilfred Zaha. I would love to see Wilfred Zaha come in the team, but to be honest with you, he is just going to be so, 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 so beyond expensive. He did just sign a, a new contract with Crystal Palace, and I'm sure as everyone listening to this knows, he did not sign that contract in order to stay at Crystal Palace for the rest of his career. He signed that contract so when Crystal Palace do decide to offload him and sell him, they can get a huge check for his signature onto that contract. So Zaha would probably cost anywhere from around 60 to 70 million pounds. 
And, and honestly, if we're talking about numbers like that, I think we could probably look at an even better winger, to be honest. Um, some people, this one, this one has been interesting. I haven't even heard anybody bring this up. Nabil Fakir. Yeah, I know he's kind of more of like an attacking midfielder, but he does also like to play out on the wing. But, oh my God, could you imagine if we signed Nabil Fakir and then our front four, our front four would be probably Aubameyang on the left, Ozil as the attacking midfielder, Nabil Fakir playing on the right, and then Alexandra Lacazette up front. Oh my God, that would be absolutely beautiful. And I would that that would be to die for, to be frank. But again, he is going to be a player that it would that will be extremely expensive. And I think, as we all remember from the Lyon saga, Lyon's uh, president is not exactly the easiest guy to deal with. Um, the Alexandre Lacazette deal took forever to go through, and I mean, I but honestly, if it's a player like you look at Lacazette. Was he worth the trouble of getting? Yes, he was, right? And I think Fakir would be a similar situation because Fakir is just a fantastic player. If you've never watched him play, (coughs) essentially what he's good at is everything because he dribbles past players, he creates plays, he scores an abundance of goals, and I think he would just be a perfect player for Arsenal. Um, A player that I would be really interested in the club bringing in but I don't think there's any chance of this really happening because he's another player that would be extremely expensive is the American international Christian Pulisic playing for Borussia Dortmund. No-nonsense winger, to be honest with you. Super quick, super young, and I love to see youngsters brought into the club because I absolutely love young players playing because then you know they're going to be here for at least five years, You know, even if they get sold. So I, I would really like to see Christian Pulisic come in. And again, he'd be another guy like Fakir that would just... He'd probably walk right into the starting lineup. And I assume that he'd be playing on the right-hand side. But a lot of other clubs are interested in Christian Pulisic, such as Chelsea. Liverpool have been interested in him for a while. I hear Bayern Munich are possibly interested in him. The American hasn't come out to say what he prefers as a move or if he prefers to stay in Dortmund. So what that tells me is maybe if the right offer, offer does come in, he will probably move away. So maybe we should look into that. Another player that I know a lot of people are interested in, and rightfully so, is that of Jordan Sancho, the English international who also plays for Borussia Dortmund. Um, I myself am a huge football fan, so I do watch every league, basically. I watch the Bundesliga. I watch the Serie A. I watch the Premier League. And I'll tell you what, this kid is fantastic. He does not play like he's 18 years old. I think he has something ridiculous, like seven assists in the past eight or nine games. It's like, oh my gosh, that is lovely. And he's just been he's just been a complete revelation over there in Dortmund. You know, one of the few players that actually left the comfort zone of England and went across, well, I guess it wasn't across the pond, but to a different country, rather, to go play his football. And oh my goodness, he has just been stellar since joining Borussia Dortmund. I don't think as of yet he'll have any interest in leaving there. But honestly, it should be a situation that we monitor because he's a fantastic talent and he is an English kid, so you never know. Um, Another possible replacement would be just the promotion from within the club, like a Maitland-Niles possibly moving out there or maybe a Reese Nelson coming back from loan moving there. And, you know, you look at Reese Nelson, how he's been doing at Hoffenheim. He already has two goals. He already has two goals for Hoffenheim. And under the the guidance of, of Julian Nagelsmann, I think he's... He's really improving quite a lot. So, so I mean, you, there's, a, there's a lot of wingers out there. You know, it's not exactly a difficult position to find. So, with Aaron Ramsey's departure, I think Miguel Amiron is probably going to come in to replace him. And then we should also look for a winger. You know, Wilfred Zaha seems like he's the player on, on, on most of the fans' lips. But also, you know, there's Jordan Sancho's, Christian Pulisic's. And a bunch of players like that that would I think would also be just perfect for bringing in to the club. But let's move on from the money side of the game. I'm going to talk about a little something that I actually wrote an article about. It just got published to Pain in the Arsenal. Be sure to check that out. It's called Problematic Pundits Are the Only Avenue for Negativity at This Moment. And essentially what I'm referring to is Paul Merson's controversial statement where he was quoted as saying, this team is 
going to be at the end of a thrashing soon. He said that on Sky Sports. And to be honest with you, I'm going to go into a little bit of a rant. So if you don't want to hear that, feel free to fast forward or just turn off the podcast altogether because I'm going to go into a little bit of a rant. And I do respect Paul Merson. And I referred to him to I referred to him as Arsenal legend an abundance of times within my article because I do respect him. However, I do think his opinions on things are slightly off. I do not understand why Paul Merson felt it was necessary to come out with that statement right now of all times. We have won nine games in a row. And for the first time in probably two to three years, there was an aura of positivity engulfing the club at the moment. And there were still, still people trying to find ways to be negative. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. It kind of pisses me off because I always, absolutely always defend people for voicing their opinion. I perpetually defend Arsenal Fan TV despite them being probably the most controversial aspect of Arsenal altogether. I perpetually defend Paul Merson because this is not the first time he's come out with an idiotic statement like this. And honestly, I can't defend them anymore because you look at Arsenal Fan TV from time to time. Why are there still people ranting on there? Why are there still people complaining? There's still people saying, oh, the defense is poor. We've kept clean sheets now, man. You don't have to complain. I, I know, I know as strange as it sounds, things are going well for Arsenal right now. We have nine wins in a row. There's absolutely no reason for you to be complaining right now. And as for Paul Merson, you are on an absolutely gigantic, gargantuan, enormous platform that has millions of people at home sitting on their couch watching you on TV, voicing your opinion about the club that you used to play for, and you use that platform to spew negativity out? Are you serious? Why? Why can't you just be like, you know what? They've been playing really well recently. And as you can tell, they've jumped from being 18th or 19th and most distant cover, covered on the pitch to third. We are one of the most hardest working teams in the Premier League at the moment, but the media won't talk about that. And the media won't talk about that because it doesn't sell. Because everybody wants to see Arsenal fail. Everybody wants to see the big boys fail. There, I said it as I said in my article, there was absolutely no coincidence at all that Manchester United are head and shoulders the most in-depth analysis team you will see this season because they have been absolutely dreadful. And that is the only reason that they're getting all of this coverage that they're getting. Arsenal and Manchester City, I don't even see any coverage for them because it doesn't sell. Because if, if, if Paul Merson was to go on there and say, yeah, you know what, Arsenal, Arsenal are playing well. And, you know, Emery is... Emery has been fantastic. Would that headline sell? Would that headline get clicks? Absolutely not. All these gargantuan, gigantic, enormous cable companies care about, all these giant websites care about, is just publicity, and it's just the bottom line, money. Paul Merson is an absolute legend for Arsenal. And I will tell you what, he is completely entitled to his opinion. But he is on a massive platform. That a ton of people hear everything that he says. And he is one of the most... He's probably one of the most respected pundits in the world right now. Because he is on TV all the time. And he uses his platform to spew negativity. And I just think that is absolutely disgraceful. Considering he is an Arsenal legend. And, I, and you know what? I want to say this as well. Arsenal fan TV. <coughs> they get ridiculed on a perpetual basis for coming out with any kind of negativity. These pundits do it every single week, just as much as Arsenal Fan TV. And they get paid way more than the likes of the guys on Arsenal Fan TV. And they never get ridiculed. Why? Is it because they're an Arsenal legend? I don't understand that at all. If you're going to ridicule one of them, ridicule them both. Because they're both in the wrong. Paul Merson's statement is something that he's completely entitled to believing, though I believe it's wrong. I don't think we're going to come up, come, I don't think we're going to get thrashed. I think that we're actually trying now, and it seems like the players are very happy with the fans being unified, and, and, and they're very happy with the manager and how hard he makes them work. Why are you trying to define the fans again? He's already, go on Twitter. Go on a Sky Sports post where they say, well, Paul Merson comes out and says, 
Arsenal are going to be on the end of a thrashing soon. You will already see Arsenal fans arguing. Are you trying to cause a divide? Why? Why do you feel that it's necessary to try that hard to get a headline? Is it that bad of a headline drought around Arsenal right now? Why don't you just say something positive for once? Why don't you acknowledge how the fans are unified at the moment? Why don't you acknowledge how happy the players like Alexandre Lacazette, a youngster like Matteo Guendouzi, or the resurgence of the likes of Alex Iwobi and Hector Bellerin? Why don't you acknowledge that? Why don't you acknowledge the fact that Socrates came in the transfer window and everybody said, oh, this is an awful signing. He's going to be terrible. And he has freaking flipped the house down and shown everyone that, hell, guess what? I'm a good defender. And you know what? I'm the best defender at this team right now. Why don't you talk about that? Why do you feel the need to perpetually spew negativity? I don't understand it at all. I don't think anybody understands it at all. And all of the, all of the harsh criticism that's coming towards Paul Merson right now, you are an Arsenal legend. But you deserve every bit of criticism that is coming your way right now. Because if you care more about the payment that you're getting from Sky Sports, and this is to all the pundits, if you care more about your paycheck coming from you than the club that you used to play, play for and made you who you are today, then you know what? Maybe your opinion is irrelevant. So, sorry about the rant, guys, but that has just been bothering me. And I just, I just don't understand it at all. And I just think it is absolutely disgraceful when pundits come out like that. And, 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 you know, I know I was just kind of defending Arsenal Fan TV there, or AFTV Media, or whatever the hell they're called. But listen, they're part of the problem too. When we lose, you know they're going to come out and they're going to say a bunch of negative things about the club. Right? They are. I mean, it's simple as that. But at, at least right now, they're being relatively positive. You know, if you watch Arsenal Fan TV you see that none of them are really complaining. You know, there's some drama going in, going on from within the platform that I don't really care about. And to be frank, no one really cares about. But as for positivity around the club, there's an abundance of it. And even Arsenal fan TV are being positive right now. So why are the pundits not not being positive? I don't understand that at all. And to be honest with you, I'm going to get off this subject because my throat is starting to hurt because I've been just ranting for the past few minutes. So... Let's go to something a little more positive, and it's a good piece of news coming from an Arsenal legend. Thierry Henry is being heavily linked. And you know what? I would go as far. I'm going to use that journalistic, the journalistic term that I love to use. I'm going to read what I wrote down here. Ready? Thierry, Ar, sorry, Arsenal legend Thierry Henry is set to become the new Monaco boss. That is huge for Thierry Henry, and that is awesome, man. I'll tell you what, because he... You know, he's obviously the assistant coach right now of Belgium with um, <coughs> with Martinez, with Roberto Martinez. But, but man, I mean, if, if he got some experience under his belt, whoo, man, he could be a really good manager. Because I think, similarly to, to uh, Zinedine Zidane, he's kind of one of those guys that he'd walk into the dressing room and all the players are just silent, you know, and they listen to everything he says because he is such... Such yes, first of all, he's like forty years old and still has this massive personality. And you know, you could almost feel his confidence oozing through your TV, even when you watch him on the television set. He knows the game really well. He's an absolute legend, and I mean, he's he's just an icon. And I think that considering also the fact that he is a former Monaco player would help him exponentially and and winning over the dressing room and and really bringing Monaco to the heights that they should be at. Um. And the reason he's been rumored to come in, essentially, was is, is due to the fact that Leonardo Jardim has Monaco set in 18th place in the league right now. That is really, 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 really bad, I'll be honest. But I, honestly, I don't think that's the fault of Leonardo Jardim. You look at the ownership of Monaco, and it is just disgraceful. Some of, like, the... Some of the players they sell is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, you look at, you look at recent years, they've sold, they won the league, you know, they won the league and then they made it to, they made it really far in the Champions League. I can't remember if it was the quarterfinals or the semifinals, but nonetheless, they made it really far. They sold Kylian Mbappe, they sold Bernardo Silva, they sold Benjamin Mendy, they sold Fabinho. You know, the list goes on and on and on. They sold all of these players. 
and just essentially replaced them with nobody. So Jardim was basically just left out in the cold and left to die. So I don't think it's really Jardim's fault. Um, but I think Monaco getting a new voice into the club would help them, and especially a voice like Thierry Henry's. And th- th- this is probably the best thing about Thierry Henry being appointed to Monaco. They're not going to expect him to get a top four, top six finish or anything like that. <coughs> Excuse me. If he finishes in the top ten, that's a good season. Because, because honestly, you know, moving a team up from 18th place to 10th place even with being your first season as a manager is a fantastic result. So, um, good luck to Thierry Henry if he is appointed to Monaco. You know, and a shout-out to Thierry Henry as well. He, when he was a pundit, he was never one of the guys that spewed negativity ever. He had an opinion, and he thought that maybe it was time for Arsene Wenger to leave the club. And that's completely fine to, entitle, to, to voice your opinion in a classy manner, but he was never a guy that was in search for headlines. So good luck to Thierry Henry. And also, before we get into this last little bit, Jardim is actually being rumored with the Manchester United job. Now... I know a lot of people probably laughed at that. You should not be laughing at that. That is actually kind of terrifying to a certain extent. Because I think that a lot of fans in the Premier League fail to acknowledge the amount of fantastically talented youngsters that Manchester United have. And Jardim is brilliant at raising up youngsters and making them, and and basically bringing them to the best potential that they possibly can be at. Now, you look at players right now at Manchester United that aren't getting nearly as much time on on the pitch or nearly as much success as they should be getting. You've got Marcus Rashford, you've got Anthony Martial, you know, you've got you've got even like Romelu Lukaku, he's kind of a young guy. You've got Paul Pogba. You know, you have an abundance of youngsters at at Manchester United, excuse me, right now that that Mourinho is not getting the best at. If Leonardo Jardim is appointed to Manchester United, I can absolutely assure you he will most likely get the be- not most likely he will most definitely rather get the best out of all of these youngsters. And the fact that, you know, even Martial for example comes from Monaco is absolutely petrifying. I hope the move doesn't come to fruition and I hope they bring in like <laughs> like a Tony Pulis or something. Not that I don't have him already, a Portuguese version. But uh, let's move on to this last little little bit. Um if if you don't really want to hear about my my uh, my proposed trip going to London this February, then just feel free to turn it off. But I do have a little bit of an update on it, and I am very excited going to it. Um, basically, well, I do just want to say this as well. If you are living in London, and if you are going to the Emirates Stadium for, for the... I'm going to the Burnmouth game on February 26th. You know, if you want to meet up or anything, if you want to go to the pub, if you want to have a few drinks, if you want to do anything like that, if you want to hang out, if you want to go to the pitch or something, if you want to, to, to kick a ball about, you know, be sure to message me on Twitter or something like that, and I'm sure we could get that organized. You know, I've, I've got 10 days. I'm going to England, and then we're going to go over to France as well. Um, but most of the time is going to be spent in England, primarily in London. But the little update on the trip is that I have just found out that basically this is what's happening, okay? So the 26th, um, my dad and I, or rather, okay, let me start over. I'll give you the little rundown. The 23rd, we're leaving the States. We're taking an eight-hour flight to London, right? So the 23rd, we're going to get there. We're probably going to sleep, maybe eat something, maybe drink a few beers or something, go to bed. Um, we're going to wake up the next morning. 24th and 25th really is up in the air at the moment. We haven't planned anything as of yet. Maybe take a day trip or something like that. 26th, though, is the game at the Emirates where I do already have the tickets booked through Arsenal America. Shout out to Arsenal America. If you are an American looking for Arsenal tickets, I do recommend them. They are absolutely brilliant, have impeccable customer service, and are just overall a really great organization. But nonetheless, I'm going to the Emirates Stadium on February 26th. It's virtually guaranteed, and I'm really looking forward to that. February 27th, though, we and my dad are taking the channel over to Paris. And I don't really know what we're going to do in Paris as of yet. I was going to see if there was maybe a game going on with PSG. As of right now, it does not appear as if there are any. But no problem at all. You know, Paris is a lovely, lovely place anyway. So it would be fine if we couldn't see any games over there. But I, do, I am just obsessed with football. So if we can, that would be great. 
But we come back from Paris on March 1st, right? Yeah, March 1st. And then, you know, we stay in our hotel. Nothing's planned March 1st. Again, you know, just basically the train ride we're coming back. March 2nd, there just so happens to be another game. It's kind of a big one. It's the North London Derby, and it's away from home. Um, I've talked to a few guys on Twitter about this. Shout out to my G at Arsa Hub. You know, if you, oh my gosh, this guy, man, such a nice guy. And, you know, he says he watches my YouTube videos and listens to my podcast. Really awesome guy. Be sure to give him a follow if you can. Um, you know, he was talking to me about it, and he was basically saying, yo, to be honest with you, man, if you book the tickets by Christmas, then you should be able to probably get into that game. And I was like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I told him, you know, I was like, if this comes to fruition, I'm going to, when I, I'm going to fly, because he lives in LA now, but he's from England. I said, if this comes to fruition, I'm going to fly out to LA. I'm going to kiss you on your beautiful face. Because if I get to go to a Tottenham game, I will probably cry. And I will probably take a picture of myself crying. And I will probably post it. Because that would be just an absolute dream come true. But that is pretty much the update about the trip. Uh, there's there's some structure within the trip, but we we're just gonna have a bunch of fun. It's just my dad and I. And like I said, you know, if you ever if you guys wanna you guys wanna meet me, if you guys wanna hang out, you know anything fun to do in London, which I'm sure there's an abundance of more fun things to do than than here in this little rinky dink suburban area that I live in here in the United States. But if there is anything fun to do, be sure to message me on Twitter and we could arrange something, seriously, because I love to meet Arsenal fans. There's not a lot of them where I live here in Florida. I don't live in a big city or anything. So, yeah, but thank you all for watching. Um, Be sure to subscribe wherever you can find this podcast, and that'll be on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, as well as Spotify, and all other platforms as well. Be sure to subscribe on each individual platform whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or whatever it may be. Also, be sure to leave a rating because I do really appreciate seeing the ratings and everything like that. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube channel. It's going to be called Dan Izzle. That's spelled D-A-N-I-Z-Z-L-E. And be sure to subscribe there and watch some of my videos. I do have some pretty damn good content over there, if I do say so myself. Last but not least, be sure to follow me on Twitter. It's going to be at Daniel underscore Finton if you want to see my opinions. And if you want to get into an argument with me on Twitter, I am fully fully ready for it and I absolutely love to argue so nonetheless though 52 minutes gone I've only got what is it there's a time limit of an hour so I probably should cut this but once again I do appreciate you guys for watching and good luck getting through this international break because God knows it is one of the most painful things on the planet for any football fan to go to and I will see you all probably in a few days because I'm going to have, again, nothing to do during this international break. But I will undoubtedly see all of you after the game, no, rather before the game, against Leicester City coming up on October 22nd. I'll see you guys later. Peace out.